Well, welcome, everyone, to the Robin Walter Show. God bless you today. Of course, we've got a packed program, as always. We're going to be covering a lot of things. But first, I want to start with some good news that's in the form of an announcement. Uh, Many of you uh, acquired my first book, which was The Rapture Revisited. Finally, a lawyer takes a look at end-time events and appreciate those who acquired that. And I should just let you know the proceeds of any and every book of any book that I have written, every single dime of the proceeds goes back into this ministry. I put nothing in my pocket just to let you know that. Uh, but the second book here is out. It was published last Friday. It is available on Amazon. I think you would really enjoy it and be blessed by this. It is called Things I Picked Up Along the Way and a few things I should have left behind. And the book is for, oh gosh, anyone and everyone, actually. Uh, it's mostly a confessional. I think my my younger son described it as a uh, self-deprecating confessional devotional set in a little town called Lowell with a lot of satire and cynicism swimming around or something like that. I can't even quite quote it. But any event, uh, to let you know, all the proceeds go into this ministry. And I just want to underscore the, the importance of the first book, which was The Rapture Revisited. Finally, a lawyer takes a look at end-time events. And... I am not a pre-trib guy, not in any way, shape, or form. The book has been gaining traction because people see things going into the tank and wondering why maybe we aren't getting closer to being raptured or why we are not here yet. We don't get raptured before the tribulation. Sorry. There, the, that rapture revisited, finally a lawyer takes a look at end-time events as an analysis from an evidentiary standpoint as to why there is no biblical basis for a pre-trib rapture. Is there a rapture? Absolutely. Is it before things go sideways? No, not even close. And you'll need to read it. You'll be armed. I I know there's some people that uh, maybe weren't convinced, but the only people I've ever heard from having purchased that book was how this flipped them on the whole topic. And some of them are uh, sort of evangelists, if you will, for a post-trib rapture. But this book, Things I Picked Up Along the Way and a Few Things I Should Have Left Behind, is not that kind of book. It has a gospel thread to it, but set in a whole different type of setting. It's actually uh, an amalgamation of about 24 short stories. So you can just read one story a day. Uh, it gets across a different point. I think you'll be blessed. So let's move on from there to some other good news. I've been mentioning the state of Idaho lately and how they've been doing some really great things. That the Idaho governor signed a bill defending children from sex change attempts. Uh, signed a bill 
um, authorizing the use of the firing squad for the death penalty, and now most recently signed a bill that will prohibit sex trafficking, so to speak, for uh, which is what I call it. It might as well be because this is for minor girls to get secret abortions out of state. It's just a variation of sex trafficking. Trafficking. And what's exciting about what Idaho has done is that it's the first in the nation. It's it's really technically an abortion trafficking, but this is all kind of under the heading of the abuse of everything sexual, which the left seems to just love, be thrilled, be enamored by, and uh, frankly, just possessed. First legislation of its kind in the United States coming out of the state of Idaho. This is the third great piece of legislation signed there by Idaho Governor Brad Little in just uh, three or four weeks. So God bless you guys up there. All of these states kind of preparing themselves to, um, guess what, be able to leave uh, the union. I'll tell you what, unless God intervenes, I'll give you the title of the next book. It's going to be called The Biblical Basis for Secession. The Biblical Basis for Secession. And with this uh, second one finally, finally out, took a long time, but I can get started on the next one. I'm knowing these guys go write 55, 65, 75 books. Um, I got to be compelled, and I am. Was for the first two, am for this third one. Uh, this is going to date me, this next piece, I, I understand. But I was old enough, just barely old enough, to just barely remember a program on TV called Rat Patrol. I don't know if anybody out there, I don't even know that, I mean, I don't think it's ever been in syndication. It wasn't out that long. I'm not really sure. It's probably a World War II setting, I'm guessing, but I don't really even remember that much. I just remember that there are some guys run around in a Jeep with a fifty caliber machine gun on the back and just wipe out some bad guys. And I like the show, but I don't know. I was maybe five or six when that thing was on, and uh, my parents let me watch it. Well, the reason I bring it up is because New York City Mayor Eric Adams, not having anything to do with that program, has decided that New York City should have a rat patrol. That's right. The Department of Education for the city of New York is the first city ever to formally name, and I do mean formally name, a rat czar. Adams said we need to reduce a city's rat infestation through coordination with government agencies and community organizations. The rat czar's salary is a... It hasn't been fully released, but it's not less than $120,000 and not more than $170,000, according to the New York Post. Adams said, quote, New York City has done a lot recently when it comes to fighting public enemy number one, rats. End quote. Are you kidding me? You've got a bogus kangaroo court trial going on. You have rampant runaway crime, murder rates skyrocketing, theft, assault skyrocketing. It's becoming the crime capital of the world. 
I, I mean, there's nothing New York City has done right from its mayor to its prosecutor, Alvin Braggadocious, and the number one problem is rats. He goes on to say, but it was clear we needed someone solely focused on leading our rat reduction efforts across all five boroughs. And today I'm proud to announce that Kathy Karate will head up to New York City's first ever and be the first ever rat czar, end quote. The rat czar. Well, that's quite a title. Has me wondering, you know, just what, well, he goes on to say, I should say this before my comment. Kathy has the knowledge, the drive, the experience, and the energy to send rats packing and create a cleaner, more welcoming city for all New Yorkers. End quote. So understand this, a welcoming city for the for all New Yorkers, more welcoming for the people who are already there. This is the dunce Eric Adams is. A welcoming city is one that would be inviting to others, not welcoming for its own people. But I have to hasten to add here, just what would that experience that Kathy has to qualify her as the rat czar? I mean, what did she do? Play the Pied Piper in the high school play? Well, New York City is throwing $3.5 million in to launch the, quote, Harlem Rat Mitigation Zone, end quote, which will seek to reduce the rat population, including 73 parks, 70 schools. They will have 19 full-time staff members, 14 seasonal employees, to exterminate the rats. 33, counting Kathy, 34 new employees for city government to get rid of the rats, which are apparently mostly in the schools. So, um, you know, I mean, is there is there any pushback? Well, not unless it's maybe from the kids. I don't know, the ones that saw Ratatouille and they kind of like rats. They had... 60,000, 60000 rat citations in 2022. I don't know what you have to do to get a rat citation. That was double just the previous year, which was 30,000 rat citations. Uh, Adams goes on to say, Today marks a new era in our battle against the scourge of rats in New York. Well, uh, I've got to, you know, I wonder if there's a technical term for rat czar. Given the nature and the political makeup of New York, would it not be something along the line of Rodentia Democratus? Right, the technical, the, the, the Latin name for the rat czar, Rodentia Democratus. Now, you see, if you're going to get rid of rats, um, tell me, it's not that easy. It is not easy getting rid of Democrats. It really isn't. Because the real rats are in City Hall. The real rats are in the prosecutor's office. The real rats exist in the government, which sends this town further and further left all the time. And frankly, and I've spent too much time on this, but 
isn't it only fitting that Rodentia Democratus would be the proper Latin name for this, given the fact that the word rat is embedded within the word Democrat? Okay, so now let's move on from one losing city to a losing state, California. This is just this is just mind-boggling. Um, you know, I did a program about a month ago called The Rise of Black Supremacy. And some people said, hey, you know, and I can't believe you said what you said, but I just, all I speak is the truth. People are offended. That's not my problem. Uh, and this is just a certain advance, not advancement, further explanation about how Democrats love to divide. You know, it was Caesar that said divide and conquer, but he didn't. That what that idea didn't originate with him. It originated with Satan, as far as I'm concerned. He's the divider, and that's all Democrats do is divide, and they found another way to do it, and yet try to elevate somehow. It appears blacks above the human race as a whole, requiring special over and over and above attention. It just seems like we sort of have affirmative action at all sorts of levels. Because listen to this: they are proposing. Um, you know how you have the Amber Alert? Okay, some child's been abducted. I did not know this. But a little while back, Gavin Newsom signed a bill called uh, the Feather Alert. That's right, the Feather Alert. It's not when any child has been abducted. It's when specifically an indigenous, I'd call it, they call them Native peoples. I grew up calling them Indians. I don't care. I still call them Indians. Have the, the Feather Alert when there has been the abduction of an indigenous child or woman. Well, it's not enough to stop there because now California is proposing having an ebony alert. An ebony alert. This is an alert that will show up on those signs over the freeways to specifically let you know that a black woman or a black child has been abducted. Why are Democrats such segregationists. They are. It was Democrats who were for slavery. It was Democrats who passed Jim Crow laws. It was the Democrats who resisted the 1960s Civil Rights Bill. So they're Democrats. They only have a use for blacks to the extent of their vote. That's it. That's all they are. They White elitists and leftists have abused the Democrat ethnicity forever. They are still the masters, and the blacks that are still vote Democrats, I'm sorry, you're, you're succumbing willingly to being slaves on the Democrat plantation. I just can't say it any clearer than that. But, you know, Amber wasn't racial term. Amber wasn't, hey, this is just for white kids. This is just for Indian kids. This isn't just for black kids or Hispanic kids. So are we going to end up with some Hispanic alert 
now in California. So people going down the the road saying, oh, that's a Mexican kid that got abducted. I I don't care about that. Or that's some black kid. Or it's an Amber Alert, which now means it must be a white kid, and I sure don't care about that. Let's just see how much and how badly, how severely the left can split society and get a, get us fighting against each other. So what's so what's next? What's left? What's going to be the alert moniker for the uh, what? The abduction of multiracial transgendered midgets who are already pretty small. So what's that, what's that alert going to read? So we know exactly what ones we can pay attention to and what ones we can just forget, because that's what they're saying. So leave the amber alert means some poor child has been abducted regardless of race. But now you've got to, jackasses in California have to point out which race it is that's being abducted. Why? Why should it matter? What? is involved in the abduction of a child that race would ever show up. Well, they admit, he admits, he said, we just want to address the often ignored or lack of attention given to black children and young black women that go missing. Does this give more attention to them, or is it intended to only have other blacks pay attention the black, the Indians pay it. I don't know. <clears throat> it is so from the pit of hell that uh, obviously it really ticks me off. If you haven't picked that up yet, next. I'm not going to spend any time on this because it's been aptly covered by Hannity and Tucker regarding Joe Biden's White House being directly involved, directly involved in the raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. This was not an FBI initiative. It was the White House. And the only reason I bring it up, because I think it just gives me one more opportunity to simply call Joey Cornpop the the pond scum president that he is. Worst president in the history of the United States. And I'll tell you who's thrilled about it, Barack Obama, because he's no longer the worst president in U.S. history. He's got Joey No Brains Cornpop that exceeded him. Um, and I want to thank a California listener, actually, for sending this to me. It's a picture of Biden, Joe O'Biden. Why don't we just call him Joe O'Biden? Teddy Kennedy did. Sent this in, referring, well, there's a picture of Biden, and it says, he was always a pedophile, a liar, and a moron that could easily be bought and blackmailed. But he was installed to make controlled demolition of this country seem like mere incompetence. Wow. Oh, my gosh. A poignant saying, uh, indeed, true. People say, how can you call him a pedophile? How can you call him a liar? How can you call him a moron? Because he is. It's just the truth. I know people say, well, you're not supposed to speak evil of your leader. He's not a leader. If you stole the election, you're not the leader any more than some thug, some burglar who steals my car is the owner of my car. And what has this led to? 
among a gazillion things wrong. You know, they said in a recent poll that Trump now leads Biden. Duh. Do you th- what does it say about the intelligence and the morality of a significant number of people in this country if it's only recently that Joe O'Biden has been eclipsed by Trump in the polls? Which, of course, is why Gavin Greaseball Gruesome is coveting uh, the White House. You know, he, you know, that Greaseball was in Florida the other day campaigning. Newsom campaigning in Florida. Gosh. Anyway, I've got some ideas on that uh, coming up here. But this question was raised by Joseph Farah. World Net Daily. Will China attack Taiwan before the Trump-Biden rematch? Now, what is interesting about this piece is I wrote that into the topics I wanted to cover today before I re- ever read the article. This is not a case of great minds thinking alike, because I wouldn't say that of myself. I'd say that of of, of Joseph Farah, or Farah, however you pronounce his name. But, but not of me. But the fact is, the Holy Spirit can speak to people simultaneously in the same manner. They may think they were the only ones that got it, but they're not. This is not to be prophetic, because I'm not saying this in a prophetic sense, but is it a prediction? Well, maybe. I mean, you look what China has done, the three days of military war games around Taiwan, and then the uh, holding air and sea combat readiness patrols and drills on all four sides of Taiwan, They've got these live fire exercises on the waters um, near Pingtan, which is an island just off the Chinese coast that faces Taiwan. Taiwan's defense ministry said recently, I think last Saturday, that China sent 42 military aircraft into the skies around the island, including 29 that crossed the line in the Taiwan Strait, which is, uh, I guess, apparently served as an informal boundary between the two sides. Sunday, China simulated precision strikes against key targets on Taiwan and its surrounding waters. Then Taiwan announced that 70 Chinese aircraft flew uh, around the island and 11 Chinese ships were spotted circling the island. So the question would be why and could it just be a scare? Could it be a, a case to test Joey, who may be uh, uh, back in his basement hiding from reality like he did all through the campaign, waiting for the further orders from Barack Hussein Obama and whoever Barack Hussein Obama takes his orders from? I don't know. Seems like it. They know he's... They know... They know... Oh, Biden, to be what we just read him to be, the pedophilic lying moron that could be easily blackmailed and bought and installed to make a controlled demolition seem like incompetence. But do they, knowing how weak, how gutless, what a feckless eunuch he is, no morals, no guts, and no brains, 
Would they push the button and take over Taiwan before November of 2024? I think they will. There's never, I mean, Taiwan is never going to agree to be part of China. Forget it. That's never going to happen. If China takes them over, it will have to be by force. And when would it be a better time to display the force when you've got an incompetent bozo brain in the office of presidency of the United States? Now, they may think, and why this is not prophetic, is I don't feel like I have the word of God. I've had a few things that were distinctly prophetic. I've had predictions I've made that have been right. I've had predictions I've made that are wrong. This is in that prediction column because there's a possibility that they won't do it until Biden is hopefully reelected. Then they will do it because he can't be reelected. Okay, so Bozo Brain can't get a third term. So what does that mean? The flip side of this is that China would then interfere with the 2024 election more than Russia did on behalf of Hillary in 2016 and more than Russia and China interfered in the election in 2020. More than ever, they will be involved to steal another campaign from the Republicans not steal a campaign, steal an election from the Republicans to install an incompetent bozo. So the question is, uh, China's got to figure out, do we do this now before the dust will have, uh, well, and let the dust settle before Trump has any opportunity to retaliate? Because you can't retaliate a year, six months later, not easily. Do we do it now? While well, we know we could get away with it, and would the United States even do anything? Our military is being hollowed out. We might just let them have it. But the, but the risk for China of doing that and the United States not doing anything now heightens the prospect of Trump being elected. But if Trump gets elected, it will be too late for him to do anything about it. This, this sort of makes me think of what Oliver and Hardy or somebody, one of those comedy teams. Just, this is another fine mess you got me into. Well, it's kind of along that line, but it's not a fine mess. It is a horrible mess, which I can only sense is just simply more of God's judgment in the sense of letting this country reap what it has sown Think it's doing better by doing worse. Think it's doing good by doing evil. Uh, well, so China will definitely interfere with the election one way or the other. Whether they have wiped out Taiwan in the meantime or not, I, that part I don't know. But consider this. If America legitimately votes, legitimately voted Joey Cornpop back into office, we're done. It is over. There would be no more elect elections, any righteous Republican that could ever win. 
And if they win by cheating, we're done. If they win either way, by cheating or legitimately, we're done. If they cheat, then they can cheat forever. If they win legitimately, that means this country is given over to an immorality which is unrecoverable without a war or something of such magnitude that we would not any longer recognize this country. So my my hope here is that, obviously, that Donald Trump could be the candidate and win. But it may be too late for Taiwan. So one run, one response that I've been thinking about here, dealing with this war with China, potential, as they would be strengthened having taken over Taiwan, uh, one of the possibilities is, and this is what I'd do if I were a governor of a state, I would suggest legislation that would state that on the inauguration or the, the swearing-in of any Democratic president, which would be in January of 2025, if a Democratic wins it legitimately or otherwise, that is the date that that state leaves the Union. Give the Democrats something to think about. We're out of here if you're in power. Robin Walter Show, don't go away. We will be in the The Robin Walter Show is a listener-supported program. Your contribution goes to help as many people as possible to hear that the Word of God has answers to help you survive and even thrive in the dark days ahead in this country. We pledge to bring you the critical information you need to make informed decisions in this age where big tech and big media have conspired to rid our country of everything Christian. Please send your support to... Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. That's Red Sky Radio, P.O. Box 99, Wickenburg, Arizona, 85358. Thank you. We are back. This is the Robin Walter Show. You know, a new poll, this is interesting, has Donald Trump leading DeSantis, which he has been for some time. But what is interesting about the poll is that he's leading DeSantis in Florida. That is a big deal. That is a flip. As I mentioned last week, I like DeSantis immensely, but I think we need him to remain the best governor in the United States as governor. We have to cover uh, our basis. We have to hedge our bets here. And I noticed that Rick Scott of South Carolina has announced that he is considering running for president. And all I can think that he's doing here, that he might just simply be positioning himself in the event that Trump goes down as a result of all the, the Alvin Braggadocious and all the other places, all the, the witch hunts after Trump, that he's just positioning himself to be in a spot as the 
number one substitute. But again, then he maybe he could be running essentially for vice president, and he would be a great vice president. Finally, uh, a real black guy, right? As president or vice president. He always said, oh, Obama, the first black. No, it wasn't. He's half white. I mean, they celebrated his Irish heritage on Jeopardy the other night. Um, they left out the Kenyan part, which is where probably where he was born. In fact, we have a lot of evidence that that's the case. But nonetheless, that's what I can make out of Scott's announcement. But going a little bit further uh, in this recent uh, poll, was there somebody who cannot get their name anywhere into the media the guy I really like, this Vivek Ramaswamy, I love this guy so far. I, I love everything he said. I haven't heard anything that he said that I don't support 100%, though I haven't heard everything. I don't know his position on everything. He's talking about certain positions. But what I like about this poll is he's actually moved into the number three slot. Now, it is a distant third. Trump 43, DeSantis 35, and Ramaswamy 4. But at least he leads Nikki Haley and Asa Hutchinson, who just jumped in. So he's not at the bottom anymore. I'm not saying he's secretariat, but um, we'll see. It's, it's just going to be very, very interesting. I wanted just a quick thing about this Louisville shooter uh, who killed, what, four employees and hurt, uh, injured eight others. We got another tranny. That's right. This is a guy who describes himself as uh, whatever. I don't know. He was on his social network. He describes himself as a he, him. I think, well, he is male, but why is he just calling himself a he, him? Is this some other, I don't even know. I don't even know what to make of this, but it seems like if we want to have gun control, maybe we could start by not selling guns to trannies, right? I mean, the Nashville shooter, the girl alleged to be a guy, proved, in my opinion, what I have said before, and that is all transsexuals or just homosexuals guilty of their same-sex feelings who project themselves to be the other sex so that they can now legitimately lust for their biological sex. Well, the Nashville shooter came out as being queer one year before they started transitioning, he, uh, she transitioning to be a he. Goodness sakes. L look, what the, look what the Democrats stand behind. Um, you know, and everybody that voted for Joe Biden bears responsibility in the moral destruction of this country. Everybody that voted for Joe Biden bears some some uh, responsibility for the 12 that were killed getting out of Afghanistan. Everybody that voted for Joe, you know what, I don't have time. I'll have about 50 things, so let's move on. I want to move, uh, I've got a lot of time here in the program, but I want to finish it with some good things. And the first one comes out of Africa. And I want to read a portion of this piece written by Oscar Amachina. I, I'm not sure I pronounced that right, but if you want to look it up, it's A M 
A-E-C-H-I-N-A, a black man in Africa. I'm not sure what country he lives in, but I want to just quote some, him here for a minute and uh, then draw some, uh, some uh, conclusions based on his article as to what's going on. And it deals with Uganda passing an anti-LGBTQ law, which really is not an anti-LGBTQ, it's pro-heterosexual, is what it is. Uh, But he says as follows, he says, The passing of an anti-LGBTQ bill by Uganda's parliament, you know, i got to stop here for a second. Barack Obama shipped $100,000 off to Uganda. Uh, Well, how many ever years ago it was? One of the years, obviously, he was in the presidency to get them to push LGBTQ crap. That's your Barack Hussein, the number one exporter at the time of evil. Only exceeded by his, um, well, whatever, his oafish, I'm being nice here, oafish vice president. Okay, the passing of an anti-LGBTQ bill by Uganda's parliament is one thing that has made me shift ground on my conviction about politics. Now, I want all those who don't want to get involved in politics and think it's dirty and scummy and you don't want to get involved, listen to this piece. This is for you. This is partly why we are where we are, because Christians didn't stand when they were supposed to stand. He said, before, I believe Christians should leave politics of this world because it is of the devil and nothing good can come of it. I have seen Christians who stepped into the political realm and lost their stand with Christ. Because of this, most of my articles I've written in the past have suggested the legislation is not needed to bring any meaningful change in society. However, As things keep progressing, or I would insert regressing, it seems like there are far too many people who do not want God in their lives, regardless of how how often they have been presented with the gospel. Those who are so hardened to the gospel, who pursue wickedness, need legislation to check their destructive tendencies and protect the innocent from their harmful behaviors. That's what they need, he's saying. And it's interesting, Amachine is shown here, he says, people walking in a parade in Uganda celebrating <laughs> the annulment of an anti-homosexuality law by Uganda's constitutional court in 2014. This is a picture where the, the homosexuals there were celebrating it as pushed by Barack Hussein. That has gotten flipped. They have redone it. They've gone back to what things should be. And Amachina says here, however, as things keep regressing, it seems like there are far too many people who do not want God in their lives, regardless of how often they're presented with the gospel. Those who are so hardened to the gospel and who pursue wickedness and need legislation to check their destructive tendencies and protect the innocent from their harmful behaviors. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, quote, We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly, the sinful, the unholy, 
and irreligious for those who kill their fathers or mothers or murderers. Goes on to quote here, the few who have decided to be agents of Satan are becoming very popular and domineering in our society these days. Uganda members of parliament have decided to declare war against the evil manipulations of the devil. God bless you guys. I finally realized the advantage of having political power. Many of us in other African countries, apart from Uganda, have been pleased with what the Ugandan parliament did. You know, and I just, you know what popped into my head here about all the lawlessness is the Disney um, a Disney TV, I don't even know what it's called, but it is portraying and advocating teen sex with Satan. I kid you not. This is where we are. We're screwed up. Uganda gets it right. We'll be judged. Uganda will be blessed. But he goes on to say, this legislation is not just about the present world, but eternity. It is wrong to leave those who do not know what they are doing to be condemned to eternal fire simply because we are pretending that everyone has the right to live the way they want. Our children need protection from moral decay and sexual perverts. Our societies need laws that promote peace, joy, and righteousness. Our duty as Christians is to love the sinners and work hard to bring them out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ. To be sure, part of bringing them out of darkness and into the light means the long-term work of pastoral care, ministering with compassion to people who struggle with sexual sin of every kind, including homosexuality and transgenderism. But it is obvious that some have decided to resist the gospel at all costs and celebrate godlessness openly. Should we allow them to perish in their sins? Back in the day, sexual sin was secret. It was hidden. Nowadays, if you don't openly celebrate the LGBTQ lifestyle, you are shunned and driven out of a other, otherwise previously polite society. The souls of men and women are the target of this demonic merchandise, and something must be done urgently to halt this invasion. No matter how popular and accepted the LGBTQ ideology becomes in the Western world, evil is evil and can never be tolerated. The Ugandan parliament has acted with wisdom. We hope our nations here otherwise in Africa follow suit. Now this is just, I, I, I am thrilled to read this. You know, it's one thing to be joyous about hanging on to the the old ways, the biblical ways. That's great. It is almost more joyous to see a country that got sold a bill of goods, in this case by Barack Obama, turn around and flip it and come back to the right side, to the bright side, to the light side. Now, my interesting side notes here is that if we go back a couple of centuries, it was by and large white missionaries that took the gospel to Africa. 
or any question about it. And yes, they recruited missionaries of their own nations within the nation to take the gospel out and around to different parts. But it was white missionaries. I can't think of the guy who had something like over a million. Uh, oh, gosh, I can't, what is his name? He's a German guy. Anyway, I can't think of it. Over a million. He led to the Lord in Africa. But those were the days past. Now it's a black Africa that's shaming the Europe, shaming Europe and the U.S. They're telling us what the gospel looks like in real time. They are the ones advocating and encouraging us. As Paul said in the book of Ephesians, having done all to stand, stand. And what I loved about this piece, not only is he reflecting that which uh, a country has turned around, coming over to the bright side, the light side, and the right side. And frankly, I'm thrilled that he's shaming the U.S. and the Western world. I, I really, truly am. And having done all to stand to stand, therefore, what he points out is that it may be the most unrighteous thing to leave the gospel out of politics. And that it is biblical people, it is righteous people that should be entering the political sphere. Otherwise, what entrance does the light have into that dark world? None. I told a, a gentleman last week that I was contemplating running for the House of Representatives here in Arizona because, and I told him, I said, it's about time the gospel directly gets injected into the political sphere. Just call sin, sin. Let people scream. Let people, let them holler. Let me, let them vote for the other guy. But to be confronted. And what he is saying is, what right do we have to leave these people in darkness who will never come into a church when the only way to bring the gospel to them, frankly, is in the political sphere? Of course, they're going to say, well, you're mixing politics and religion. Separation of church and state. They've got their own religion. Global warming, queer this, those are their religions. They've brought it in. You've got that Kai, I can't even think of her last name, head of the... Uh, EOC under Obama that said there's no question in her mind that queer rights trump the First Amendment. The right to practice religion is trumped by queer rights. That's a virtual quote. So we've got the most pro-heterosexual countries are black and one other ethnicity. The most pro-heterosexual, anti-queerdom country in the Western Hemisphere is Jamaica. It's black. Isn't that amazing? Blacks were the key reason why California actually passed Proposition 8 that prohibited queer marriage before it got thrown out by a left-wing judge who was himself queer. I mean, I find this really interesting. But there's one other ethnicity, if you will, that I'm leaving out. The Muslims. 
I read a piece the other day, very interesting, that Muslims are at the forefront in the United States for resisting the pro-abortion, pro-queer, pro-tranny agenda in government schools. The only ones who have really gotten school boards to effectively pull back on their intent to sink this United States under moral depravity have been Muslims. And the boards have been hesitant to just blow them off like they blow off Christians and Jews. Somehow they're afraid of being deemed anti-Muslim and they yield. Maybe they're just concerned about getting their head chopped off. I don't know what it is, but isn't that interesting? The most righteous view actively at a political level these days as it comes to these moral depravities which identify the Democrat Party seems to be coming from Muslims. The another number of Muslims that voted for Trump doubled from, I think, like 12 to 24 percent. And trust me, it may double again in 2024. And isn't that interesting? The ones we've been the missionaries to, the Fertile Crescent, the Muslim countries, and to Africa are the ones that are coming back around and calling us out for the moral reprobates that run politics, run this country. Well, one other thing i got to share quickly. This is even, even more exciting. In my home state of Michigan, there were some people committed to the pro-life movement who got prison sentences in a Operation Rescue, trying to save babies in um, a pro-abort environment. They got their uh, prison time short, but 30 to 60 to 90 days. They'll be in the Husgau. But uh, one of them, who is uh, Fidelis Mosinski, he's Polish, I know that much, but I'm not sure I pronounced his name right. He got 90 days. He got the worst uh, of all of them. And he just, he was in court. But in court, he said, um, hey, you know, why, uh, why are you killing babies? Why do you support the baby killing? The judge got on him because when he did the rescue, he wasn't wearing the monk's outfit, but he was wearing the monk's outfit in court. So the, the uh, judge concluded that he was theatrical and disingenuous. Well, it was a pro-abort judge. That's all it came down to. Matthew Connolly, number two, which uh, he got three 90-day sentences, along with a Laura Geis or Geese, who got two 60-day sentences. But Miller, Monica Miller, asked to have her date of her incarceration delayed because she was in cancer treatment. The judge's response, get lost, punk. Quote, you knew what you were doing when you broke the law. End quote. Nobody got hurt in this thing. 
There was no damage done to people or to property. And the judge won't let her have a delay in the sentencing so that she can get her cancer treatment. But I want to get on to why I'm highlighting these individuals. In his uh, statement to ju uh, the judge, Fidelis stated, he said, the rights of the preborn are being trampled upon in this case. The court has failed to respect the law of God over the laws of man. The fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill, applies to the preborn. When he got finished saying that to the judge, the members of the court gallery erupted in applause, requiring the judge to gavel them down in silence, to silence. Before he was led away, this Franciscan priest boldly said aloud, quote, Jesus Christ is king to the court and to the crowd. Monica Miller, the one who was denied the treatment or forced to, well, yeah, because she's got to be in jail, at least delayed. She had the boldness to hold up a large color image of the mutilated remains of a unborn baby killed by dismemberment abortion and showed it to the judge, showed it to the prosecutor, showed it to the court personnel and the entire crowd in the courtroom. The judge ordered her to stop. She did not. What did she say? Quote, the whole problem with this trial and today's hearing is that the preborn being exterminated are treated as being invisible to the court as though they don't exist and are deemed unworthy of justice. These are lies. And it went on, and that was why she was showing the pictures that she was showing. Then the last one, Laura Geese, or Geis, I wish I knew how to pronounce her name, on her, she said, quoting Alexander Solzhenitsyn, she said, quote, a lie may come into the world, it may run through the world, but it will not run through me. Being hauled away by the bailiff, she turned and cried out, Viva Cristo Rey, which means long live Christ the King. Do you realize what these four were doing? Standing up for Jesus Christ and the gospel. As much as it was for the unborn, it was for the word of God, the unborn standing up for the kingdom of God, before a reckless, wanton, and willfully evil judge and prosecutor, the court cheering them on, the judge getting ticked off, ordering them, gaveling them to silence. And they don't shut up with words, and they don't hide their pictures. They're doing what our gentleman in Africa commanding is commanding us to do. As I said, Having done all to stand, stand. It may be the only time that this judge, prosecutor, bailiff, and the other court personnel ever hear the gospel is when somebody gets arrested and not listening to the judge speaks right back to the judge who does not have the guts to issue a contempt charge because she's already feeling convicted. Nonetheless, speak the word of God boldly and proudly who knows in that courtroom of the unbelievers who get saved and now said, if these people are going to suffer for this boldness, they have a faith that I want to have. Think about it.
This is Robin Walter. I encourage you to sit tall in the saddle, America. Remember, you ride for the brand, the brand that you God bless you.